My guest today is Dr. Regina Lark. She's a certified specialist in uh, chronic disorganization, ADHD, and uh, hoarding. And uh, she's an author uh, and a speaker. She's been featured on A&E's Hoarders, The Wall Street Journal, and The LA Times. And also, you have a business? Yeah, my business is called A Clear Path, Professional Organizing for Home, Work, and Life. So uh, I want to jump right in with you. We spoke a little bit on the phone, and uh, I, I figure the, the best place to start, if people are like me, they're not sure what a, how uh, an organizer might help them. Uh, and you, uh, that's, that's what you do. You come in and work with people. What is your approach when you first walk into a space and you see all the clutter? What, what, what is the process that you go through in your head? What has to happen first? Well, first, we have to have a lot of conversation before I even get into the space. Okay. So I'll walk you through this. At some point in a person's life cycle, they are faced with a situation of clutter that they feel like they can't um, get themselves out of. They can't dig themselves out. I'm not saying they come upon this suddenly, but as the clutter begins to pile up, literally and figuratively, the person at, usually believes that at some point they'll be able to deal with it. They'll be able to take care of it. They can, um, once they get some time, they will uh, start working on it. Uh, they'll often say, oh, I'll get to it later. And I always respond by saying the word later does not appear in any calendar. And so, you know, we, 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 it just doesn't show up. I am going to invent the calendar where the, year, where the word later appears twice in a month and we'll turn the page and we're like, look, later is here. But what happens, and one of the questions I always ask when I first get that phone call is what prompted this? It's not that the clutter happened overnight. So somewhere along the line within, within the last week, maybe even month, and it could be a year they've been talking about or thinking about getting help over time for a long time. But usually there's a moment where they've been trying to find their car keys one too many times, it just took too long. Or uh, a job we did just recently, the house was going to be used as a um, uh, engagement uh, reception for a young couple and the family wanted to have the event at their house and they, um, their house was filled with stuff and they had no idea how to deal with it. So, um, so often there's like a big incentive for this to happen. Sometimes an elder parent has moved into assisted living and their adult child inherited all the furniture and the 30 something year old kid just moved back home. And now the house is multi-generations of clutter and chaos and things that people aren't using or they have no use for. For a variety of reasons, the things aren't being used. And I will say this about uh, business folks. The recession found us in a situation where brick and mortars were closing down and entrepreneurial smart, went, uh, smart people were starting home-based businesses. And so if they are disorganized by birth or by transition, situational, 
then they're going to experience the same frustration and chaos when it comes to clutter in the home, in their home office, or in their workspace if they're in a brick and mortar, if they're away from the home. I'm going to step back and, and kind of give you a sketch or a composite of uh, the kind of person that will call me. Okay. From where I sit, there are two types of people. One who operates uh, almost completely from the left side of their brain. Uh, and that's kind of me, although I do have some right brain features, and I'll get to that in a moment. Left brain thinkers, catalog, linear, organized, detail-oriented. I can put a piece of paper in a file, and I will find it in five years, because that's how my brain processes information. Right brain thinkers bring beauty and, and light and um, music and art into our world. And nine times out of 10, their houses are just a big train wreck because they would rather create than pick their clothes up off the floor, put them on a hanger and put them in a closet. Right brain thinkers tend to come from a very creative space. They, and I'm speaking in very general terms and I'm not a psychologist. This is through reading on this concept of chronic disorganization. I've done a lot of reading on right brain versus left brain thinking and behavior. And so what I observe is the right brain folks are out there doing really wonderful things in terms of music, artistry, creativity. They're very social. They're great at networking. But when they come into their space, they'll take whatever's in their hand and they'll put it down thinking they'll get to it later. And they're often running in about five different directions. Uh, folks with ADHD tend to have that kind of um, brain type where it's very hard to focus. They are um, uh, in constant movement in their brain. And there are um, five million really interesting things that they want to get to. Uh, and, and doing something that's boring, mundane, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, um, repetitive. If it doesn't capture their interest, a lot of right brain people don't want to engage. And so here you have the right brain thinker and the chances are pretty good that for as long as they can remember, they just haven't been able to get it together when it comes to decluttering, staying organized, and keeping a minimalist space. A lot of people will come to me saying, I want minimalism, I want Zen. And we have to, and that engenders a conversation about, well, what does that look like to you? And then given the space you have and given the stuff in your space, how do we put that whole picture together? If you want Zen, then what in this space are you going to be willing to change your relationship with. A lot of our clutter is about relationships. We hold on to things that may or may not serve us. So now we have somebody picking up the phone going, I need help. And the first questions I ask is really their brain type. I want to know if they're left brain or right brain thinkers. I'll tell you, um, a lot of my clients who are very right-brained in how they approach life 
their, their libraries at home, their bookcases are filled with books on how to get organized and declutter. Okay. Those books were written for me and my brain type. And so these, these wonderfully creative right brain thinkers will say to me, um, back up, what they'll do is they'll repeat the rules. I know, only touch it once, right? I know, if I haven't worn it in a year, let it go, right? It's like, no, 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 there are no rules here. There are organizing principles, like you wanna be able to get to your stuff as quickly and as effortlessly as you can and put it back. I would, I would call that an organizing principle. Another principle is we schedule or structure a day so that we get to our appointments on time. The means by which we do these things is different for the brain type, but a lot of folks don't really think about how they're hardwired. And as a result, they feel like dismal failures if they can't follow along in the book. The book makes sense to them, but activating it, creating new habits, changing relationships, those don't come easily. And so most of my clients will, they, there's, a, um, there's an organization that I'm, I've got um, a strong affiliation with, I'm a member, it's called the Institute for Challenging Disorganization. I even have a bumper sticker on my car. The Institute provides the research for organizers to tap into to learn more about the folks we're meeting on the ground. And so the Institute is where I have acquired my certifications in hoarding behavior, uh, working with folks with ADHD, and this concept of chronic disorganization. Chronic disorganization is a term that was coined by one of the founders of our Institute, Judith Kohlberg. And Judith came up with this under, she, she's organizing, she's, she's in people's homes, and she's observing a set of behaviors that just, that just didn't seem typical. She's observing piles of things, not knowing where to put the mail, uh, dirt and chaos, brilliant people, high net worth folks, in, in a, as CEOs and CFOs, their presidents, their um, executives, professionals, they're shining on the job. They're doing really well, primarily because if we're going to speak in general terms, they have a good support staff. They leave the, they leave the workspace, they go home, and, and their brain type is not able to help them compute how to do things at home the way things are done at work. What do they do to overcome this? Well, um, that's a loaded question. <laughs> so if somebody comes to me with this idea of chronic disorganization, and I have to hear that, they're, that, they're, that they've experienced what we call the three hallmarks. So one is they've had this all their life, or they've had it since a big transition in their life. The other part of it is that the clutter and the disorganization is impairing the quality of their life on some level. They either can't invite people over because they're embarrassed that they haven't seen their dining room table for a long time. 
the grandkids are no longer allowed to come over because it may be too dangerous because there's stuff all over the place, or the, the bedroom of a couple is no longer the love nest <laughs> that it's supposed to be. So it's impairing the quality of their life on some level. And the third hallmark of chronic disorganization is that everything the person tried to do to help themselves, they failed themselves miserably. So now we're working with a set of a, um, a body of information that'll help me to do the assessment. After I determine they do have chronic disorganization, I ask them to send me photographs of what they're looking at. And then I ask them to send me images that they found online of what they'd like to see. What does a lovely workspace look like to you? If you say you want Zen, but you have to have certain artifacts on your desk, let's see how we can match what you've got, what you've want, and what your ultimate goal is. Usually, we have to deal with the backlog of clutter. Usually someone will call me because things have been piling higher and deeper for a long time. And by the time they call me, they have looked at it every which way but Sunday and they cannot figure out how to even start. So I have a group of people, uh, organizing assistants that work for me, and I send out a team of two or more into the space and so much will get done, so much, because you're putting together three really great minds. You are uh, creating what we call social organizing. Social organizing is this concept of doing this work in a team, and it makes it fun, less lonely. There's communication. You know, you're chatting, and sometimes an organizer will go, all right, you know, I could use some other eyes on this. How would you uh, reorganize this space? And we all come together and we're like, oh, I would put that box here. And, you know, and the client feels that they're so supported and that they're getting the best of the best. You know, one organizer around the house is awesome. Three is amazing. So, so what we do is we work to clear the backlog, Start lifting the carbon footprint, making decisions about what's serving you and what doesn't serve you. It's less about the last time you used it. Again, there are no rules. And more about tap into your heart and mind and see what is here that serves your goal, that serves a higher purpose. And if it doesn't serve you in, in meaningful or strategic or useful ways, let it go, let it go, let it go. Yeah, I know I've been working on that. One of the things the, uh, the internet has done for me is I realize that just about any manual that I need is available online. Uh, any article I need is probably available online. Uh, if it's not available online, it wasn't important enough for anyone to archive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have, it, it really has helped me as I think about this, it's like, could I get this online. I mean, because a lot of times I have things in my in my file cabinet, but when I go to look for it, it's easier just to look it up than to try right. to find it in my file cabinet. Right, right. Because if your files aren't organized to how your brain orders information, you know, one thing that um, business people really want to wrap their heads around 
is the files you have on your desktop in your email folders ought to resemble the files in your Word folders, ought to resemble the files in your paper files. We have a tendency to not think through how we name our files. And we, a lot of folks, especially right brain creatives, feel that they have to create a file name that's traditional and mainstream, like insurance. Oh, insurance is the big one because I can think of about 10 different ways to name that, right? Is it auto? Is yep. it insurance? Is it administration? Is it household? Is it state farm or whatever your insurance is? And sometimes folks will tend to over categorize. There is the main category of insurance, but they'll create labels and folders to accommodate the, the 20 different ways to have insurance. Uh, they will uh, think, uh, I, I work with somebody in her home office and she was um, in the process of a divorce. And there was a huge, huge pile of papers. I mean, it was, it, it, it had to have been two feet high all over the desk. I mean, it was a big pile of papers. And we spent our time together just sorting into major categories. And one of the, every now and again, I'd hear her say, the idiot. And she would just put papers, you know, in the idiot pile. And then I once came across uh, a paper, it's, it had, it was something about the divorce, it was attorney's notes. And I said, oh, do you have the divorce papers anyway? She pointed to the idiot pile. So I put the divorce papers on the idiot pile. And when it came to making the labels, I said, okay, how do we label this one? And she goes, well, we should probably call it divorce. I said, well, you called him the idiot. I said, we can name it the idiot folder if you want. She goes, we can do that? And I said, yes, it's your file system. You can do whatever you want. And so one strategy to help folks remember where they put something is to label it according to how you think about it, not according to how you think it ought to be done to trust that you're naming it just fine, but you also have to be consistent. <laughs> right. Now, uh, I, use a, I personally use a thing called the paper tiger, which you may have heard of. Yes, uh, definitely. It's, it's great for finding things, but uh, my, my problem is making the time to actually file it because you have to name everything with a number, and then you have an electronic file system, which for those who don't know, uh, to... Um, you can tag it with different possible things like that insurance file. You could say State Farm. Uh, you could say uh, auto insurance. And then when you type in and do a search, it'll come up which file number 41, right? So uh, I love when I find things that way. I'm like, I would never have found this. But I have a huge big box full of stuff that I need to get to. to... Right. So have you found that that works for a lot of people or it, it doesn't work for a lot of people? You know, it really, it, it works for the people who are able to put the time into the front end of it. I encourage, especially for people who work at home, who work from their home, I encourage them to create at some point in their week what I call the business of business day. 
when you're an entrepreneur and you're self-employed and you're working from your home office space, what happens is you get caught up in everything. If you have not read E-Myth Revisited, then you are doing all the tech, all the entrepreneur, and all the administrative. You've got to start delegating. To be a more organized person, you have to start delegating away the tasks that don't bring you joy. It's okay that you don't want to do your own bookkeeping. It's okay. When I started my business five years ago in this economy. And in the first year, I did all everything myself. I did administration, bookkeeping. I learned QuickBooks. I built my own website on GoDaddy. I did it all. Within the first year, I also recognized there are a lot of tasks that I'm not well suited toward. Bookkeeping was the first thing I delegated. Uh, the second thing I delegated was social media. And I was able to concentrate on that which brought me joy and also met, you know, um, allowed my skill set to shine. So a business of business day, say Friday afternoons, Friday afternoons from 12 to 4, it's on your calendar. It's the default day. Friday afternoons, noon to 4 is that's when... That late, that's that later day you were talking about. Yes, yeah, you have calendared later. <laughs> no kidding. You know, a lot of projects don't come off the ground because they're not in the calendar. People will wake up on a Saturday morning and they're like, let's do the garage. And you probably need help. You may need a dumpster. When does the goodwill close? I mean, you want to have, you, you can't just wake up and just create a, and start a big project if you want to do it successfully. And for me, success is meeting your goals, getting to the end, end game. So to do a garage, you really kind of want to plan it in advance. One is, is there stuff in there that you want to sell? Would it make sense to have a yard sale? Yes, it would make sense to have a yard sale. So we need to get the garage decluttered a week before the sale. So we pick the date of the sale, then we have a week ahead of that to pick the date for the decluttering. If you have the date for the decluttering, then you need to decide, am I gonna need a dumpster? Do I need more help? Is this something I can do on my own or should I bring in you know, my pals and then I'll do their garage as, as, as a, because uh, everybody's got clutter. Uh, if your friends don't have clutter and you need their help that day, make it a beer and pizza party. But just do something. You've gotta plan these things in advance. So. In order to find success with maintaining the books, getting data uh, input on a timely way, it's got to go on the calendar. It's just not going to happen if it's not on the calendar. I tell people, make dates with yourself. You know, you're, a, you're a kind and lovely person. Make a date with yourself and, and do the business of business. My business of business day is generally Friday afternoon. It's wind down for me. A lot of clients don't want to work and get their decluttering on Friday afternoon. It's the end of their work week. There's a lot of reasons why Friday is a good time for me. It's on my calendar. It's what I do. And if I could show you my desk, I just, my desk looks like your, <laughs> the table that you're at. I just don't have stuff on my desk waiting for me because 
I'm able to schedule the important work um, in a timely way. One thing that you mentioned early on is not having the time to do something. And I would counter with, you're not dead yet. You've got plenty of time. So putting it on the calendar will ensure on some level that you are actually creating the time to get this done. One of my uh, things that has helped me quite a bit is I do have clients come in uh, to my office. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting a pretty thick pile there uh, and I was okay with it. I kind of had an idea where things were more or less. Uh, but, uh, but when, you know, I had a client coming in, they were going to work in my space, you know, I had to get it cleaned up and, uh, you know, so it, and, and that'll last me for a couple of weeks anyway. And, and you, you bring up an important point, this lasting for a couple of weeks. One of the hallmarks of chronic disorganization is they've had it for as long as they can remember or since a big transition in their life. It's impairing the quality of their life and everything that they're doing to mitigate it isn't working. All of that has to do with the fact that in that process of acquiring the clutter and not knowing what to do, yes, they may have it in their head that they want to change things, but unless major change happens in habit and thinking, the behavioral and cognitive um, change that really should come as a result of, of this movement forward, I can't overemphasize it. And my, the certification, my, my most recent certification through the Institute for Challenging Disorganization is called the Certificate of Professional Organizing in Chronic Disorganization. And I just came off of an 18-month master's level program to deal with the issue of chronic disorganization. And it has completely changed my business model because my focus is now getting a team in to declutter and deal with the backlog and then bring me in to start uh, weekly half-hour coaching sessions. The coaching sessions are designed to help my client change behavior and change thinking. If they don't engage in this next phase, phase one, get rid of the chaos. Make your place so that you can walk through every room that all the flat surfaces have, you know, an open space. So phase one is get through the backlog. Phase two is all about maintenance. Sometimes during phase two, one of my assistants will go into a space for four hours a month to deal with how things are coming in at that time until habits and behaviors uh, and thinking is going to change. A lot of folks are, they seem to be very traditional in how they think about their environment. Somebody you love gives you something, you feel that you need to hold on to it. Somebody you don't love gives you something, but they may be over at your place more frequently enough, like a client. If a mm. client comes over to your office and at one point brings you a tchotchke that you just don't like, you're bound to hold on to it because if that person is there quarterly, they're going to, they're going to scan the room to see if the object is there. 
Right. So we hold on to things out of guilt. We hold on to things out of love. We hold on to stuff that we don't know what to do with. So it just sits in a corner. And my work as a coach comes in to start shifting those thoughts, shifting the thinking. I want people to feel that right now, the here and now, the present moment is more important than any other moment that's gone behind them or that's coming up. Well, that would be a reason just to toss the thing off to the side and, uh, and do what you want to do. Right, right. But what happens is that we don't allow the present to trump past and future. Mm. And it's like we give ourselves permission to stay in the clutter. Right. Yeah, because that's the big thing for, you know, I'm definitely what you would consider, you know, in your, in your or, uh, list of, uh, of uh, chronically disorganized. But uh, I have learned coping skills somewhere along the way. I don't even remember now what they were, but I know consciously at, at some point in my life I worked on them. And so what it does is it gets... It gets to a level and then I deal with it and it gets, you know, so I'm always dealing with it. So is, is chronic disorganization something that people can uh, overcome and change their thinking or is it something that they have to learn how to deal with on a regular basis? Yes, both. <laughs> <laughs> it really depends on how much time you want to put into making the changes. Uh, you know, off the bat, I will say that I have some clients that they just say, make it go away, Regina. Just make it go away. They have no interest in developing new habits or behaviors. And that's fine. They, uh, I come in on maintenance. I, I'm in their space. There's three people that I'm working with right now. I'm at their home. Uh, and all three are entrepreneurs, so we're doing home office and, and the domestic side of their, of their life at home. And I'm in their space uh, once or twice a week for the last year and a half. And that's, what, and that's how they are choosing to spend their money, and that's how they're choosing to deal with the clutter. And that's just the way it is. And that... Um, there are others who either want to learn new habits and behaviors because they think it would be something that they can pass on to their offspring. Good luck with that. <laughs> well, and when I'm working with uh, a parent that has chronic disorganization and I see what's going on in the children's room, then I say, we've got to do this all together. Let's just make it one big party. I'll get my team in, I'll come over and, and start doing coaching and strategies to help you start shifting the thinking and, and the kids have to be involved because we all need to develop new habits here. In order to move forward in a decluttered space, you have to develop new habits. So one of them could be, and again, it really depends on where they're feeling stuck. A lot of folks who have uh, chronic disorganization can't find their car keys. They just, they, every day it's a search for car keys. So the new habit is twofold. One, we've got to set up a, a, a station, a day station where wallets and keys and purses and cell phones, uh, it would be great if a charger could be near a plug 
there's got to be a station so that every day all your stuff goes there. Yeah, it takes a while to develop that, but once you do, it really helps. It really does. As soon as I moved into the apartment where I'm currently living, one of the first things I did is put a hook on the wall next to my front door. And that's where my keys go. Now, I hear that it may not be the best place for keys because there's also a window on the other side and someone could punch in. The chances of somebody knowing that I have keys hanging right there is pretty slim. Well, not once we put this on the internet. Yes, and so <laughs> yes, we're not going to give them my address. So any town USA. Uh, but I needed a landing page for my keys. And no matter what is going on in my space, whenever I have to leave, if I have to leave right now, I always know where my keys are. And I'm a very organized person. Uh, and so I, I, I don't have a lot of stuff on the surfaces. So if my keys were on the table, I would also easily see them. But it's so habituated to put the keys there. I only lose my keys now maybe once a month. Because, you know, occasionally I come in and I put them in the wrong place. But almost always I, you know, that's, so that's one of the coping skills that I did learn. Yeah, good. So that's a big one. So, yeah, let's, let's go through some of this. This is the, 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 the place for a, a landing place, uh, or my dad calls it a launching pad, because he, he's been chronically dis, disorganized. Launching pad, yeah. What are, what are some other things that people can, habits that people can try to develop to help them through this? Well. If they can't afford a, a, a person to come. Oh, or, yeah. Sure. Well, one thing would be to understand that everything you bring into your space, everything, whether you know it or not, you immediately assign it a value. Everything gets value. You wouldn't be bringing it in if, it, if you didn't think at that moment that it enters your front door that you're going to use it, you, you just, there's something to this object, newspaper, paper, card, a letter, a bill, toilet paper. Going to trade shows is the worst. You come back with bags full of stuff that you're sure you're going to look at again. I, I, I have to say, I work in a lot of office spaces where the floors are filled with bags from what they have acquired at trade shows. And as one person said, but they give you all this stuff. And I said, no, you take it. So, <laughs> you know, one way to, to not uh, bring stuff into your space is to not take it from another spot and bring it in. But we do this. But you said like a value, we assign a value. We to assign it. a value to it. And the value of it tends to not shift in our head. The one place where we really uh, make a value judgment is toilet paper. And we bring a roll of toilet paper in, and the roll and the paper have meaning and value to us. When the paper is gone, the value of the roll shifts. It no longer has the same meaning unless you have a hoarding behavior or you're a super creative person and you work with kids and you need toilet paper roll holders and a hoarding behavior may see 5,000 uses for this empty roll. 
most of us, unless we have creative or hoarding uh, stuff going on, most of us will see the empty roll and we will um, put it in the trash. We don't even think about it. The value has shifted. It goes into um, recycling. We tend to not do that with most other things. I will walk into a space, into a home office, and I will see um, outdated phone books. I will see boxes of software that are obsolete. On floppy disks? Yeah, I, I do. I see floppy disks, and I see cassette tapes, and I see I, um, uh, eight tracks. Oh, yes. We hold on to everything. And in order to deal with this backlog, now, people are holding on to it because they don't know what to do with it. Should I put it in a landfill? Is this e-waste? Um, they, they never really thought about getting rid of it. Somebody's going to buy it on eBay. It, it's, yeah, I, I, it's worth something. I can't let it go because I paid so much for it. And I always say, then you assume that whatever you paid in retail was absolutely the exact price it should have been. We have to shift our thinking about what comes in. We have to be able and willing to revalue these items. I'll open a cupboard and I'll see 30 coffee mugs. And there's only two people living in the house. And so what is the value we're placing on these? I get that you've got these cups that you love the pattern, you love the design, you got it at a conference. I mean, there's a variety of reasons why when they entered the space, we decided that they're valuable enough to put in our cupboard. But we don't, it's again, it's going back to that thing of not allowing the here and now to be the most valuable part of our lives. We, we instead allow the past and the future to trump our level of comfort here. And, and so again, everything you bring in, if everything you bring in is immediately assigned a value, then think twice, three times, or four times about what you're bringing in. Where is it gonna live? Another organizing principle is everything in your home needs a home. So whatever you bring in, before it hits your front door, where is it gonna live? It's gotta have a home. We are really uncomfortable with homeless. We, we, we avert our eyes when we're pulling off the freeway and somebody is standing at the end of the ramp with a sign. That makes us uncomfortable. And then we live in cluttered spaces and we don't feel comfortable in our space because everything is homeless. Well, and then if you don't have a place for something, it's like, oh, well, just put it there for now. And I'll get to it later. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was my grandmother who said, you know, a place for everything and everything in its place. And, and, and I remember trying to, you know, that's the, the ideal I aspire to. If, if I find myself shifting things around on my desk, I realize that it doesn't, it's homeless. We don't like that, but we so, don't know what to do. Is it possible or have you seen it effectively work? You know, uh, you guys are professional organizers and you deal with this on a regular basis. But if you have an employee, uh, is there... Are there skills that they can learn that you can have your employee learn to help you cope with the with the deal? Have you seen that work effectively? Well, sure. I mean, the people that work with me, uh, 
all seem to have been born with the organizing gene. And they have different skill sets that they apply. So some people may be great with the paper and filing systems and they're, and they're very detail oriented. Uh, they're good to help people clear email files. Um, I have a document that, that I'll connect the client with called paper, what to keep and for how long. And it's mm. called from uh, IRS and lawyers who, who make these decisions for us. That really helps. Yeah, and, and so while they're working on paper, we hang the paper, what to keep, we hang the document in, in plain view so that as they're going through, they're able to look up, oh, okay, this is way out of date, I don't need to keep this. Uh, so my assistants work in, in very similar ways. It's really about, and a good organizer will always find out what the goals are for that session or for that day or the project. Sometimes we're in a space, I've got a team of people in a home in Temple, uh, a home somewhere else in Los Angeles right now where the client is getting ready to move. They bought a house in Arizona and they've got to declutter their space and pack and move to go to Arizona and they've been in their house and three sheds on an acre and a half for 45 years. They've got everything. And when we started, everything had value. And so we got together as a team. We, had, we have group meetings in the morning and we asked the client to make wholesale decisions on particular items. So for example, the client is, uh, before she retired, she was a CPA. And so we have uh, client files from 1973 to uh, the present. And, and so we came up with an understanding of from this date to this date, all these files can be uh, shredded. You know, it'll make the process go quicker. If, if you can give us permission to let go of this run of magazines from this date to this date, or if you no longer have a turntable and you have 500 albums that are awesome, that you've got Aerosmith and you've got Bing Crosby. I mean, you've got this beautiful variety of albums Let's go to Amoeba Records and see if they, they want to buy them. You know, so we all come up with um, an understanding and a strategy for how to meet the goal and relieve the footprint that, that we're, we're currently working with. Oftentimes, my, my assistants will be working in the background where I'm doing one-on-one -on, -one on helping clients start making different decisions. We're very attached to things. And so the assistant organizer will pull out the boxes and bins that are filled with greeting cards. And I'll do one-on-one -on -one with the client saying, okay, you have five children, you have every event known to humankind in the year, and they're all giving you cards for this. That's hundreds, if not thousands of greeting cards over a lifetime. 
they can't possibly all have deep and special meaning. So let's come up with a criteria that unless a card has a very personal sentiment that kind of surprised you that the person felt that way, keep it. But let's let others go. Well, also you have to think about what you want to do with your life. I remember I edited years ago, I edited an interview with Ram Das. And he, he, uh, he had kept apparently boxes and boxes of newspaper clippings of himself so that when he was old, he could review and look at his life in the, in the past, right. right? And then he came to the realization, when I'm old, I don't want to be looking back and reviewing my life in the past. I want to be doing new yeah. stuff. So he just, he was able, to, but when he made that switch in his mind, he was able to, what am I going to do with exactly. it? You know? And is that what I'll be wanting to do with my life? I gave a presentation a couple of weeks ago and we were talking, I was asking people, are there clothes in your closet that you know is kind of ridiculous to hold on to? And, and one woman raised her hand and she says, yes, but all, there, all those clothes represent my heyday. <laughs> and I said, why can't today be your heyday? We don't only have to have one heyday. <laughs> Right. <laughs> we we can we can do this really any way we want, and uh, you know a lot of people will say to me the first time I heard it I was kind of startled. They said, "Oh, I love it that you gave me permission to let go of these books," hmm. and I said it was okay to let them go, but it was herself that gave the permission. Um, I just helped her to think differently about the books. And, um, and so I think a lot of people can be helped by moving away from conventional thinking, from mainstream thinking, this is the way it ought to be. No, it's your space. Let it be the way it makes sense to you. And if nothing makes sense to you, I, I encounter a lot of people that they don't have an aesthetic eye. They're not good with decorating. They, they have beautiful framed pictures, but they have no idea where it should go. The word should will trip them up. It's like, hang wherever you want, you know? Um, and so uh, a couple of people on my team are wonderful with the aesthetic. They have design backgrounds, and so they're able to you know, we'll, we'll declutter the space. I coach on different habits and one of the organizers will do placement, you know, to make things look and appear more functional. And so just in, in figuring out how to, how to set somebody off in the right direction. So somebody realizes that they, they need help uh, and they have the launching pad, they have the, the just reconceptualizing, thinking about what they bring into their space. Anything else that's like a major thing that they can do maybe even before they bring you in to become very clear about what they want the space to be what's its functionality what needs to happen in that space if a space is going to do multiple duty then to be able to zone the area I I live and work in a one-bedroom apartment my desk is in one part of my living room. My couch and table are in another part. They don't mix. This is my office area. 
that's my living area. And so you want to you want to know what is the function of the space and and what all needs to happen here. I need to have access to internet connectivity, my printer and scanner. Well, and so I'm going to make sure my desk is next to those places. One of the reasons why it's kind of um, strange, but I think one of the reasons why I don't have much stuff. I, I just hate being inconvenienced. I just, I don't want to have to move something to get to something to move it to put it back. I, I just don't, I'm, I'm too busy. I've got so much going on and I don't want to have to stop ever. So you're very selective about what you add to your life. Oh my goodness. I'm very selective and I'm very clear about where its home is going to be. Another strategy is to get ready the night before. Oh, okay. Get everything ready the night before. Sometimes my days are so filled that I have to put together a different bag for the different project. So if I'm going to do networking in the morning, I have my networking bag and then I may have a client session after the networking and so I have to put my work clothes into the bag. And I teach a class in a community college one night a week and then I have to get my bag for teaching and then I want to hit the gym and so I have a gym bag and I, I posted on Facebook the other day I had all of my bags lined up by the front door like little soldiers wow. but I was ready for the next day <laughs> well that's a great idea you know I think so, so many of us just use the same bag and then we have to take stuff in or take stuff out or it gets this big you know and we're hauling yeah. this thing around um, a lot of people find that when they containerize their life, mm -hmm. uh, like if you have a lot of remotes for stereos, just put them all in a basket. You know, right. containerize it. Um, it's ease of use. You'll find it quickly, and you will um, you you will just make it much more convenient for yourself. Okay. Now, a lot of this that we ta we've talked about here, you have a book uh, that is called. It's called Psychic Debris, Crowded Closets, The Relationship Between the Stuff in Your Head and What's Under Your Bed. And the book is less about strategies to declutter and more about shifting your thinking and changing your habits and behavior so that you can move forward and engage in decluttering and then maintaining it. But a good part of the book is really about, you know, what's going on up here and how it relates to what's going on down here. So it's a good foundation for understanding the process. Especially for people who are chronically disorganized, it, 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 it helps to um, flesh out what really may be going on. Okay. And we'll definitely put a link to the book. Uh, it's on Amazon, right? Yes, it is. So we'll put the link on our page on our website. Okay, thank you. Yeah, okay. it's Kindle and, and uh, paperback. Oh, Kindle, okay. okay. See, people should do the Kindle, right? Yeah, we love the Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks uh, Thanks for being on the show. And, and uh, I'm, you know, we'll, uh, the links to all your information will be down at the bottom of our uh, episode page for this program. Wonderful. Okay. Terrific. Thanks. Okay, thanks.